Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. So this week I am speaking with myself. So I don't have anyone here with me. I just want to share some thoughts around time management. Um, Time management is a big challenge for leaders. Um, It's a challenge for leaders when they first enter their role, uh, and it remains a challenge for leaders as they progress through their career. Sometimes it is, um, you know, complacency and we go back to those old dangerous habits Um, and other times, you know, we're given challenges or we're faced with uh, obstacles that we're not used to and we can also revert back to old habits when that happens. The reason for my uh, topic on time management today uh, is based around um, some feedback that I've been getting in the leadership quiz that I've recently launched. Um, if you're interested, it is on my website um, and I'll pop a, a link to that in the comments as well. The The quiz is where you're at on your leadership journey and um, really looks at some of the core components of effective leadership and how do you build the capability of your team and reduce dependency, which is what I'm all about. You know, a lot of the Um, leaders and organizations that I'm working with is all around how do we reduce the dependency on a single person or a group of leaders Um, and how do we empower individuals to take control of their own workload, um, their uh, success uh, and how well they do in a role um, and really just give back the power to the people because we're working with adults and um, adults have the ability to make choices and they're confident and they're independent. And I think we've just got to let them be more of that as leaders. But we're talking about time management and, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what you do to manage your time effectively. Uh, this week I've been talking a little bit about small opportunities for people to manage their time better and also to take notice of how much time is actually spent doing things that don't actually get us anywhere. Um, And so I refer often to the Eisenhower matrix or the important urgent matrix, which looks at how we prioritize urgent and important tasks. And there's no doubt that we need to prioritize urgent and important. Uh, But, and I think a lot of us do that really well, Um, but not many of us are able to prioritize Uh, important but not urgent. It seems that without this sense of urgency, there is little individual motivation to um, devote time and invest time in working on um, strategic opportunities or opportunities that you may not see the benefits for immediately. It might be longer term. And I see that as a huge opportunity for leaders to be able to sit back Um, and look at what is it that I need to do today that is going to help my team in a month or two months or a year? And how can I start to lay the foundations of that? And how can I start to position myself and my people to be able to transition into a new way of working? Um, 
And in order to do that, we have to find the space. And I think a lot of leaders really struggle to find the space. I know myself, um, you know, mum of three, working full time in my own business, uh, no direct reports um, and a very small team. And, um, you know, there are things that I could be doing in my business all of the time. And so there's always something that can be done. uh, And it's not a matter of saying, let's just not do things. It's not giving too much attention to those things. So, you know, for my admin tasks, I might not allow myself to have four hours to do those kind of things. I might only give myself, you know, 30 minutes a couple of times a week and that I am then forcing myself to be really efficient with my time and make sure that I'm actually maximizing how I'm spending my time. Uh, And so it's in order to um, be able to look at important tasks that are not urgent I think we need to be able to create some space for that. And so I want to share a few things around creating space. The first thing might be um, really um, simplistic and a no-brainer to many of you, uh, but it is something that I continue to talk to leaders about. And that is notifications, that little um, envelope that pops up in the corner of your screen or the the full-blown notification that pops up in the middle of your screen whenever you receive an email or um, the the noise, the, the ding or the bell, uh, all of those are distractions. And whenever we're distracted by something, there is this curiosity within us that is almost uh, way too tempted to um, take a look at what's come in. And so we set down whatever it is that we're doing and we allow ourselves to become distracted. And if you're anything like me, you finish going through your emails or looking at what happened um, and then you can't remember what you were doing and um, you know you might not come back to the tasks that you're working on prior or it might take you a really long time to get back there but either way it's it's a waste of time Um, it's not a good use of of your um, time and it's certainly not effective and so if you can turn the notifications off then you reduce the distractions but of course there's still this uh, knowing that even without the notifications, there's this knowing that emails are coming in and that you might want to respond to those really quickly. You might be someone who likes an empty inbox. Um, and <laughs> I do feel for you if you like an empty inbox. Um, I definitely used to have that feeling and I gave up on that a long time ago. Um, and I'm resigned to the fact that my inbox will always be a little bit messy. Um, but as long as I'm on top of the, the important things, um, then that's what matters. And so the other thing um, with emails is there's a lot of research around how much time is spent or wasted um, in emails. On average, we spend about two and a half hours every day in emails. And if that's not concerning enough, given that emails don't tend to be part of a leader's core role, is that um, we're distracted by emails once every 37 minutes. So once every 37 minutes, the average person is compelled to go in and check their inbox. And that's outside of the notifications. So it is next to impossible to get into flow state, to get into a deep learning state, a deep learning zone, and effectively do other work when you are constantly distracted like that. It takes time and concentration to get back into focus 
um, only to be distracted 37 minutes later. And so I think it's worth just recognizing where are you being distracted and where are you allowing yourself to, to be so? And then what can you do about it? Um, so for me, it is, I actually shut down my whole inbox and I don't respond to emails straight away. Even if I see the email there and I read it and I, I could respond straight away, I don't want to set the expectation that I'm constantly available because I can't meet that expectation all the time. And so it's rare that I will respond to an email straight away. Um, a lot of the time I will leave it and um, I will get back to what it was I was doing because I still do find myself being distracted um, by emails to a certain degree. Um, and so I'll notice, I'll recognize that I'm allowing myself to be distracted and I'll just get back to my task that, you know, I was working on prior to that. And I'll respond to the emails um, in a couple of hours or at the end of the day. And so I think this expectation that we respond to emails straight away is unrealistic. Um, I think there's about 40% of the population who expect emails to be responded to within one hour. Uh, but most people don't expect emails to be responded to any quicker than that. And so even if you're checking your emails only once an hour, you're still improving your effectiveness and time. So even if you can extend out the amount of time between checking emails, you're going to start to see some difference um, and more um, better use of your time. So emails aside, time is also uh, not well spent in meetings. And I hear a lot of leaders talking about the meeting that stole the time from them that they'll never get back. And it's definitely something that I used to say when I was working in the corporate environment is there would be a meeting and then a meeting from a meeting and then a side meeting after the meeting and another one before a meeting. And there was just meetings the whole day and it would completely take over my calendar. And I was at the mercy of what was happening to me and, and around me. And, you know, there's, so many people that are faced with this. Um, Jeffrey Scott Klubeck actually found that 91% of professionals who meet on a regular basis have admitted to daydreaming in the meetings that they're in. And 73% say that they have brought work into meetings. So they're trying to actually do another task while being present in the task, in the, in the meeting itself. Um, and those of you who, um, you know, don't believe in multitasking this is a perfect example of where you're probably failing at both. You're probably seeming absent from the meeting and doing your reputation and brand and that of your team more damage than you are good trying to work in meetings. Um, and you're probably not fully focused on the work that you're doing during those meetings anyway. Um, and then there's another 37% who admit to dozing off or when I say dozing, mind wandering or, um, you know, becoming distracted during meetings. So you think about the amount of time that is spent in meetings that is wasted time. And so I think there's an opportunity in terms of managing our time to actually start to question what are we investing our time in and what's our intention for taking part in those conversations or those meetings. And I get that you know, some meetings you 
are required to go to. And I think that is fine. Uh, But I think if you are committing to going, then make it worth your while. Make it meaningful in some way. Make sure that you never go to a meeting without a really clear intention of why you're there. And so how can you how can you start to do that? How can you start to manage your calendar um, and manage you know how you approach meetings? And so the first thing I would say is the email that comes into your inbox that is a calendar invite. If there is no message in the body and you're not familiar or aware of um, what it's about, then simply accepting that meeting is setting you up to fail in the first place. And so the first thing that I would recommend is when a meeting invite comes into your inbox that you um, take a look at it and you consider what's the purpose Uh, What's the intention for you being there and what outcomes are you or the person that's hosting the meeting expecting to get out of it? And so what I've found is there's a lot of meetings that are poorly organized that someone will send out a meeting invite without really thinking through who are they inviting, um, what's the objective of the meeting and what's the outcome that they want and the time. Time is a big one. Is A lot of people will just simply block in one hour into people's calendars. And I will admit I am responsible for doing that sometimes too. Um, But if you are trying to manage your time, maybe an hour isn't necessary. Maybe 45 minutes is perfectly fine. And that you get that 15 minutes back that you can utilize to do something else. Um, Maybe go for a walk or clear your head or do something that replenishes your energy. And so... What I would suggest in terms of, you know, being able to manage how you approach meetings is, you know, stop tolerating the poorly organized meetings. Make sure that you know why have you been invited and are you the most appropriate person to attend? From the organizer's perspective, they might think that you represent a certain thing or area or, or concept or that you know a certain thing. And perhaps you don't. And so the responsibility is on both you and the person sending the invite to make sure you're really clear on why you're there. Ask yourself, you know, what's the objective of this meeting? Ask yourself, what are the outcomes that we're expecting? Ask what input or decisions do they need from you? And are you actually the one that can help them? Or do you need to send someone else? Do you need to delegate this or, um, you know, pass it on to someone who is more appropriately um, designed to be there? And that when you don't know this, that you ask for questions and that you accept tentatively while you wait for that clarification. So it's still in your calendar and people can't book over it, but it's a tentative acceptance as opposed to a firm commitment. Um, And so um, the other thing that you can do is challenge the duration and ask if it can be done in 20 minutes instead of 60 or maybe 30 or 45. So don't assume that an hour is going to be an hour well spent. Um, And chances are, you know, there's probably 10 to 15 minutes that can be cut off the beginning and the end through 
uh, better communication, getting straight to the point um, and, you know, allowing the host to actually take control of it. Now, the other thing is around meetings is if you do accept is understand what your intention is. And so the host will have an intention, but it's an opportunity for you to actually have your own intention. And what I would say to this is the your intention may be separate and very different to the intention of the host. And so your intention for attending a meeting could simply be, I want to build stronger connections with my stakeholders. I want to get to know the people across my business at a deeper level. And so maybe you position yourself to sit beside someone that you don't know that well, and maybe you have a little bit of a conversation before the meeting starts or when the meeting ends, just to really connect and check in with them. Another intention might be, you know, understand, understanding, you know, what's important to the meeting organizer and then seeing how you can improve the relationship that you have with the organizer or that um, you can um, strengthen the cohesiveness across your teams um, and be able to support each other at a different level. And so looking for opportunities to improve. Um, You might um, decide that you want to learn more about the broader business. And so the reason your intention for being there is purely from a curiosity perspective and from an ongoing development and learning perspective. So the more you know about the broader business, the more likely you are to be able to move laterally when positions come up, uh, the better well, the better known you are um, across the business as well. So people will start to um, know you by who you are and what you're capable of. And that certainly can make things a lot easier when moving around an organization. You might, um, if, you know, this one's for all of the people watchers out there, (laughs) those of you who are looking to increase your awareness and be able to read people better is um, similar to, you know, sitting at a cafe and just watching conversations and interactions take place around you is you could go to a meeting and if there's no other intention for you being in there, it might simply to to be to notice, um, you know, how uh, aware are you, how aware are the other people within the room and you know, how are people responding, not necessarily verbally, but through body language. Remember that body language is about 93% of communication or sorry, the words we use are 7% and the rest is made up of all the rest, which a large portion of is body language. Um, and so being able to read the um, expressions and the posture and you know, what is not being said from the other people in the room can actually be quite insightful. And, you know, you can utilize your insights when you're the one hosting the meeting and you have people that come along. So you notice when people zone out, you notice when the mood changes, you notice when someone, you know, might not be agreeing with something, but they're not saying anything is when you're not hosting the meeting, you've got all this extra attention that you can be paying to the people around you. Um, And so, you know, that's another opportunity. That's another intention you could have. Um, You might also be just on the people watching front is, um, you know, your intention might be to observe how people interact with each other uh, and how they connect and how they can be influenced. And also you can start to see the workplace dynamics. So I'm always really interested in, you know, how people interact with each other Um, I want to get a sense around, do they like each other? Do they not? Is there some tension here? Do they have really good rapport? Um, How are they actually speaking with each other? You know, all of these really um, 
insightful things that might be a little bit creepy <laughs> to those who who haven't necessarily played around with it. But it's very much uh, a key skill for a leader is to be able to develop their emotional intelligence and start to read um, not only what is being said, but what is not being said and not just listening for the content, but l- listening for structure and intention um, beneath that. And so there's um, a really big opportunity around that. Um, and so, you know, the being able to reduce the amount of time you spend in meetings is going to be able to give you more time to work on the important things that might not be urgent. And the more that you work on the important things that are not necessarily urgent, the less urgent things come up, the less meetings you need to hold because of crisis or something going wrong in the business is that you can get ahead of that. But there has to be this transition And the final thing I want to talk about um, in respect to energy, sorry, in respect to time is energy. So really hard to manage your time effectively if you're not managing your energy levels. And so this is a real personal thing um, is that it's about noticing how energized you feel throughout the day and what is it that strips you of energy and what is it that replenishes you of energy. And so Um, do more of the things that replenish your energy. Um, For example, it might be, um, you know, taking a walk outside, uh, maybe working outside if you're working remotely and you have the ability to do that. Uh, It might be walking barefooted on the grass, you know, connecting with the elements. Um, They're all things that help us to um, build our energy up. Um, It might be taking time out to read a book or just looking away from your computer screen, maybe listening to some music. Maybe it is, maybe get, get what gives you energy is starting your day early and getting something big done. Some, you know, call it, you know, eat that frog. One of um, Brian Tracy's concepts is, you know, what's the, what's the one big thing that either you've been avoiding or that is going to make a big difference to how you work or to your team or business and maybe do that in the morning. And so by accomplishing a relatively large task or something that has been on your mind is actually then going to free up your brain space um, from thinking about needing to do it. Um, It's like the app that runs in the background. It's not necessarily helpful for us. Um, It consumes a lot of energy and it actually doesn't accomplish anything because we're not doing anything um, with that. And so if you can um, identify some of those things that you could do first thing in the morning, maybe that's what's going to give you energy. I certainly know that works for me. What also works um, for me is um, going for a run or going for a cycle or exercising or I can't believe I'm saying this, but even yoga and Pilates, I've taken that up over the last couple of months and I'm actually really enjoying it. Never thought I would say that. Um, so, you know, find, find what it is that energizes you and make sure that you are spending, you're giving enough priority and importance to your energy levels as what you are, your workload. Um, if you've got more energy, you will be more effective when you have more energy, you will procrastinate less. When you have more energy, you will make better decisions. When you have more energy, you will um, utilize your time better. And so eliminate the things that steal energy from you. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that you know, maybe 
maybe you're not familiar with or aware of the impact of is alcohol. And, you know, Chris Bailey in his book, Hyperfocus, talks about alcohol stealing time from the next day. And I love the saying because um, every every night I would love to have a glass of wine, you know, before or with dinner. Uh, and I'm reminding myself more and more um, frequently and, and particularly post-lockdown and, you know, with COVID is that um, even one glass steals energy and time from my next day. Even one glass will crowd my, cloud my head a little bit and just make me that little bit less effective. And so I've um, changed my habits and I'm, you know, reserving a glass of wine or two for um, the evenings where I'm not working the next day. So a Friday or a Saturday night, I might, um, I might indulge. But a lot of the other times I won't um, because I know how important my energy is and I know how important my time is. And so hopefully, uh, you know, these ideas give you a little bit of um, help to shift how you work um, and how you manage your time. And I think treat your time as precious. Um, it's we, We've all got the same amount of time each day. Um, and I think, you know, it's making the most of the things that are important um, and saying no to the things that are not. Um, and if it's not a wholehearted yes, then make sure it's a no. And, you know, give yourself permission not to say yes because you feel like you should. Say yes if you see value in it. Say yes if, you know, you're committed to actually being there and all in. Um, stop spending time on things that don't matter, are not important and are not actually going to help in any way, either you or the world or your family or whoever it is. Um, but yeah, respect your time. Um, be kind to yourself as well. I think managing time is a bit of a transition and some people um, do it really well and I think others are still on that journey. Um, and so if there's any way that I can support you um, to manage your time better, definitely reach out for a chat. Um, and I would encourage you if you get a few moments as well to take take advantage of that leadership quiz that I've um designed um give it a go and see what comes up for you and see you know where where you're at on your leadership journey but thank you so much for listening um and i will speak with you next week um and until then stay awesome thanks again for listening to another episode of the dynamic leader there is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.